The Bible says there is no other name under heaven whereby men might be saved except the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's why we praise his name. Can you say it again? That's why we've done what we've done this morning. Because the only hope we have is found in Jesus. Without him, we have nothing. I spoke to a group of young people yesterday um, at a football camp. And they were some, uh, some young men who, who love the game of football. Want to be the best they could be at the game of football. And um, that's what I was telling them. You know, I don't care if you score 100 touchdowns. If you don't have Jesus, you still lose. I don't care if you make 500 tackles. If you don't have Jesus, you still lose. If you win 15 championships and become a champion on the, at the game of football, if you don't have Jesus, you still lose. I don't care if you are the owner of a Fortune 500 company. If you don't have Jesus, you still lose. Listen, I don't care if you've got a, uh, a bank account with uh, 15 zeros behind it. If you don't have Jesus, you still lose. I don't care if you got a great job. If you don't have Jesus, you still lose. I don't care if you got a great marriage. If you don't have Jesus, you still lose. Folks, listen. He is the way. He is the truth. And He is the life. And there is no other name under heaven whereby men might be saved except the name of Jesus. That's why we praise Him. That's why we praise Him. Take your Bibles. Turn with me, please, to James chapter number 1. Now, how many of you have ever heard the saying, When life gives you lemons... We'll just make lemonade. And usually when people say that, they say it with a smile. When life gives you lemons, just make lemonade. Ding. You don't know that? You when life gives you lemons, just make lemonade. Ding. And then, then now listen, I'm not against that. I've used that. I think there's truth in that. I think there, that finds its foundation in truth. A lot of wise words of wisdom in that. No doubt about it. Now, let me give you another one that I like. And a lot of people, most of the time, I've said it um, before and probably say it again. I saw it on church sign yesterday. And it, it was this one. It was, um, you got to make the choice to get better and not get bitter. Ding, you know. Everybody's smiling at it because that's, that's good stuff. That's a, that's a motivational quote, man. It gets you going. Gives you the warm and fuzzies. You know what I'm saying? And, and nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's a good thing. I, like I said, that you find uh, that's, that, that, those, both of those phrases, both of those sayings find their foundation in truth. That's why I like to use them. And it, and it helps. It's true. No doubt about it. But let me ask you a question. And I want you to be honest with yourself before the Lord. I'm not asking you to raise any hands. It's just between you and Jesus. I, I, I just want to, want to know, um, has it ever been a whole lot easier to say those things and smile at those things? but a whole lot harder to actually put those sayings into practice in your life. Because if I'm honest, sometimes it's harder for me to put those sayings into practice. I mean, a lot of times, if I'm honest, what happens with me when life gives me lemons, I don't care nothing about making lemonade. I'll be a little bit sour about it. You know, that's what lemons do. It makes things sour. And when I get them, sometimes I think, you know, I don't really care about making lemonade. I just want to wallow in the, in the sourness of the lemon is what I'm saying. A lot of times when life sneaks up behind me and I'm telling you it knocks me flat and it happens to each and every one of us, we all have stuff that we deal with. Can you say amen? And sometimes that stuff 
will knock you flat. I mean, and you wonder which end is up. And you say, Brother, what are you talking about stuff? Well, I'm talking about anything that brings you trouble, trial, or tribulation. I'm talking about physical trouble. How I many you know sometimes we face physical trouble in our lives? We are physical beings. Sometimes we face emotional trouble. Sometimes we face relational trouble with our family, uh, with our families and friends. Sometimes we face financial trouble. Sometimes we even face church trouble, home trouble, work trouble. Listen, this world is filled with trouble. It is. And we all deal with that. And even though I know that the Bible says I'm more than a conqueror, and I know the Bible says I shouldn't allow the root of bitterness to grow in my heart and life, I know all that. Sometimes, even though I know all of that, I still want to remain just a little bit bitter. Let me tell you why. Sometimes, sometimes it feels good to have a little pity party. You understand what I'm saying? Let me tell you why that is. Because we all have a sinful nature. And the sinful nature that we have is geared towards negativity. Have you ever heard those saying, misery loves company? There's truth in that. If you want to be miserable, you'll find somebody to be miserable with. I mean, listen, it, sometimes it feels a little bit good just to remain a little bitter, just to remain a little bit sour about how things haven't worked out like you thought they ought to work out. That's true for me. Maybe that's true for you. And let me tell you why it's true for me and you. Because we do have a sinful nature that we must Die to daily so that we might be filled with the Spirit, thereby controlled by the Spirit. Can you say amen? And so we need to uh, get a hold of our feelings. Because a lot of times what happens, we'll get in our feelings and allow our feelings to control our life. That's a dangerous thing. Douglas MacArthur, I think, said it. I don't know if he first said it, but I know he did say it. In one of his great speeches, the great general, listen what Douglas MacArthur said. He said, feelings make great foot soldiers, but terrible generals. I love that. Now, he's not in any way implying that feelings aren't important. Because they are. God made us not only physical beings, but emotional Beings, And so, listen, we emote emotions. We have feelings. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But what he's saying is, you cannot allow your feelings to control your life. And I can't either. We must guide, we must be guided by and controlled by not feelings, but facts. Facts are great generals. And when you start placing faith in facts, listen to me, your feelings will follow. They will. But you've got to start placing faith, fact, or faith in, in, in facts, in truth. And so this morning, I am so very thankful that we have clear direction in the Word of God from God's precious, powerful truth that shows us how to turn the trials we face into triumphs. And that's the title of my message this morning. How to turn trials into triumphs. How to be an overcomer. How to be more 
than a conqueror. And you're never going to do it trusting in just how you feel. Listen, we've got to get a hold of truth. We've got to get a hold of facts. And the Word of God in His absolute truth, His Bible, He gives us that. He gives us facts on how to deal with all the stuff that we face. All of these troubles that we're continually in. In James chapter number 1, that's what I want us to look at. James chapter 1, and we're going to, I'm going to share with you the first five verses, Lord willing, this morning. We'll get as far as we can in this. If we can finish, we will. If not, we'll finish up next week. James chapter 1. Starting in verse number one, look what the Bible tells us. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. He says then in verse two, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, or the world word could be translated, maybe should be translated trials. Most um, other translations will give you that. He says, count it all joy when you fall into Diverse trials, diverse troubles. Now let's go on to verse uh, number three. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Now let's go on. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Isn't that a great promise there in verse number five. Now I'm going to look at all of this, but verse five really spoke to me this morning as I was studying for this message. How do you know I need wisdom to be what God wants me to be? I need wisdom to be the father God wants me to be. I need wisdom to be the husband God wants me to be. I need wisdom to be the pastor God wants me to be. I need wisdom to do what God has called me to do and be what God has called me to be. And folks, in my own ability, I don't have the wisdom needed to accomplish the task that God has given me. But I am so very thankful. God says when you lack the wisdom, when you don't know where to go, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know what to say, ask me. And I'm going to give you the wisdom and I ain't going to hold back. Amen. Isn't that good? Well, that frees me up a little bit. Well, then that means, Lord, I ain't got to worry about all this all the time. Lord, I ain't going to lose it all the time over things I'm dealing with. Because you've promised if I'll ask you, you'll give me the wisdom I need to overcome. You'll do it for me. And you'll do it for you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the precious promises we find in your word. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. For helping us. For showing us grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness. Lord, this morning, I'm praying that you would make real your truth to these people. Change hearts and change lives, and Lord, start with mine. May we all be different when we leave here than we were when we came here. In Jesus' mighty name and for your sake, we pray. Amen. Let me give you some advice when studying the Word of God. Some advice that was once given to me uh, by Brother Don Smith over at the Bible Institute. I love this. He said, if you really want to seriously study a passage of Scripture... Play, pay close attention to the verbs. For the verbs in that scripture that you're studying is where the action is. It tells what those people in that day did or didn't do. And it shows us what we should do or shouldn't do. And so it's very important you pay attention to the, to the action words, the verbs. Now in these five verses, we, there are really four action words that I want us to pay attention to this morning. Uh, in verse number two, he tells us to count. 
In verse number 3, He tells us to know. In verse number 4, He tells us to let. And in verse number 5, He tells us to ask. And so He really gives us four imperatives. Four things that, again, are not incidental, but are fundamental if we're going to learn how to turn trials that we face into triumphs in our lives. Now, these four essentials for turning trials into triumph, number one, I want to give you this, is to have a joyful attitude. Look at verse number two. Verse number two says this. I love it. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when. Everybody say when. Count it all joy when. You fall into diverse temptations or diverse trials. What's he trying to say to us? He's not saying if we fall into diverse trials, many different kinds of trials in our life, throughout our life, uh, from from, uh, the womb to the tomb, we live in a world full of trouble. Can you say amen? And so in every stage of our life, we're going to face different kinds of trials. I've, I've seen that to be true with me. Uh, and, you know, as I've gotten older, different things bother me now that didn't used to bother me before. I have more responsibilities now that, listen, bring worrisome thoughts to my mind and heart that I didn't have a long time ago. I mean, things just change throughout the course of our life. And when we change throughout the course of our life, we face different troubles, diverse trials. And he says, when this takes place, when. Dr. Warren Wiersbe said something here I absolutely love. He said, outlook determines outcome. Outlook determines outcome. How you see things makes a big difference. How you view things, it makes a huge difference. He says, listen, this is the outlook we are supposed to have as children of God. When you fall into temptation. What what am I trying to tell you? You should not be surprised that you fall into or get into or have troubles throughout your life. Now, I know the popular preaching of today is that as long as you have enough faith, you're going to be um, uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise. You're going to have all the money you can ever spend. You're never going to get sick. You're always going to be in the best of moods. And listen, nothing's ever going to bother you as long as you have enough faith. And folks, I wish that I could tell you that's the truth. But the problem is it's not. It's not true. And God never said or ever promised, never promised throughout His Word that it was true. Matter of fact, He said right the opposite. I, get, I, I grow so weary with these people that's preaching this trash because it gives people false hope. And it causes people to think, well, maybe I just don't have enough faith. That's why I'm going through what I go through. What, what's why I'm having the things that, 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 that I'm having happen in my life. That's not always the case. Certainly it's not always the case. Let me tell you why. Jesus said it like this. Jesus said in John 16, 33, In this world you shall have, what? Tribulation. Not might, not maybe, not it could happen, but in this world ye shall have tribulation. This is Jesus talking. My goodness, if anyone ever went through tribulation... It was Jesus. Let me ask you something. Does that mean Jesus didn't have enough faith? Does that mean Jesus didn't love God supremely, love the Father supremely? Absolutely not. 
And he went through terrible trials. My goodness, they put him on a cross. And he says, you know what? As my followers, as my disciples, you too will go through tribulation in this world. You shall go through. And then the last part of that verse, he says, but be of good cheer. Why? I've overcome the world. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What, what's, he, what's he trying to tell us? We've got to get the right outlook. We've got to understand, look, these trials will come, but you don't have to let that tear you down. You don't have to let that tear you apart. You don't have to let that ruin your life. Why? Because I, Him speaking to us, I have overcome the world. I am in Christ. Christ is in me. And if He has overcome the world, if He's overcome tribulation, then I too can overcome tribulation. Not in my power, but praise God in His. In His. Can you say amen? Yeah, so, so listen to me. Listen to me now. You got to get the right outlook. Peter or Paul said this to, to some Christians in his day, Acts 14, 22. He said, you've got to go through many, many tribulations. A lot of trouble if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God. And, and we do. And he's talking to God's people there. He's talking to save the blood-bought, the born-again there. So you got to get the right outlook. It shouldn't be a surprise to you that you have these troubles in your life. Now, why do we have these troubles in our life? A lot of, a lot of it is just because we're human beings. Just because we, we, we live in a fallen creation, we're going to experience trouble. I'm talking about stuff like sickness, accidents, disappointments. You're going to have that simply because we live in a fallen world. Now, I don't know, I don't think I have to convince anybody today that, uh, that we live in a fallen world, do I? That we live in a sinful, imperfect world. Do I, do I got, got to convince anybody of that? Well, if I do, let me, let me encourage you to do something. Just go home and turn on the news and see if we live in a fallen world. Go, on and go, go home and, and pick up a newspaper and see if we live in a fallen world. Listen to what your kids say is happening at school and see if we live in a fallen world. What I'm trying to tell you is because we live in an imperfect world filled with imperfect people marred by sin, we're going to have troubles, trials, and tribulation. Each and every one of us. Child of God, you are not exempt from that. You are not. I've heard... Dr. Adrian Rogers say many times that Christianity is not about the absence of problems. Christianity is about the addition of God's power to help you overcome whatever problem you face. Get the right outlook. Trials will come. Jesus is enough. Trials will come. God is able. This, listen to me. Listen to me, child of God. Put your ears on. This too shall pass. Brother Scotty did not know I was going to be preaching this message this morning. It's amazing how 
the Lord speaks to his heart and lines up a lot of the songs he sings. We never plan that. We never, we never coordinate that. You know, I, I let God the Holy Spirit lead, God direct him, and, and he has the responsibility of, of setting up his time of worship. That's, I, I do nothing with it. Occasionally I'll ask him to sing something special just because I enjoy it. But as far as me calling him up and saying, okay, we need to line this up with the message. No, we don't do that. We just let God do that. Amen? This morning when we came in here, he opened the service uh, with one of my absolute favorite hymn songs of all time. It's called, It Is Well With My Soul. Brother, do we have the ability to put that up right quick? And, and I'm not going to sing that to you. That wouldn't be a blessing to anybody. But I will, I will uh, read it for you. Now, look what this song says. I absolutely love it. When peace like a river attends my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Let me, let me tell you what that is. That's the right outlook. And when you get that right outlook, it will determine outcome. That's what Wiersbe was talking about. Let's go on. The, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control. That Christ hath regardless my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. What did Jesus say? In this world you shall have tribulation, but what? Be of good cheer. Get the right attitude. I have overcome the world. Let's go on. Watch this next part. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Wow. Let's go on watch. And the Lord hastes the day when my faith shall be silent. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. And the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. You know what this brother realizes? No matter what I face in this life, I still got Jesus. No matter what trials happen to me, what troubles come, come to me, come to my doorstep, I've still got Jesus. Jesus is enough. Now, if you don't got Jesus, I don't see how you make it. Dear pastor friend of mine was having a pastor's breakfast one Saturday morning, me and about four of the guys. And one of the gentlemen in that group said, but man, I just don't see how people who don't have, I don't see how they make it in the world we're living in. And one of the other brothers spoke up and said, how do you know they are? A lot of times we can put up a good front and act like everything's hunky-dory and hallelujah. But the truth is, without Jesus, you cannot have the peace he provides. Without Jesus. You cannot have the joy of the Lord. And without Jesus, you cannot know your purpose. And if you don't know those things, it's going to be really hard for you to handle the troubles and the trials that will come your way. Tell me. You me tell you why people have a trouble, trouble with alcohol and drugs? Let me tell you why people have trouble 
with the substances that control their life, whatever they may be, because they're trying to self-medicate themselves and get over the pain they're feeling deep down on the inside. Let me tell you this. Try Jesus. Amen. Try Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is enough. He's enough, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you. Sometimes we face troubles and trials simply because we're human beings. Sometimes we face troubles and trials just because we are Christians. Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says, as children of God, we have an enemy. The enemy is Satan himself. And, and the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7 that we are to cast all our cares upon the Lord for he cares for us. Isn't that good news? We've got someone to bring our cares to. Aren't you glad of that? I don't know about you, but that just blesses me every time I read it. Because there's a lot of things I can't discuss with anybody else but Jesus. Nobody else is going to understand. And every time I come to Him and talk to Him about the cares in my life, whatever they may be, guess what? He's there waiting with grace and mercy. My goodness. Grace, which is His undeserved favor, and mercy, which is new every morning. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy keeps from us what we do deserve. And Jesus offers both every time we come to Him. But He says, cast your care upon Him for He cares for you. Verse 8, why? This is the whole purpose. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. How many of you believe this morning Satan is real? And he is at work. And he is going to do absolutely everything he can to destroy your family, your life, your ministry, your well-being. That's why it's his job and he does it well, I'm telling you. He's been doing it a long time. And so you need to understand, we have an enemy that comes against us. And a lot of times, the things that we face come as a direct, direct result of, a, of an attack on, of the enemy on the children of God. We have Satan who attacks us. But we also have the world who is continually... Coming against us. If you're walking with Jesus, I promise you it'll happen. Jesus said, John 15, He said, they, if they've hated me, they'll hate you also. If they've hated the master, they're going to hate the servant. And it's not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. It's really what He's saying. So I'm telling you, Christians do face trial just like everybody else. And when we face them, we've got to do some counting. Now, what is Paul uh, trying to say to us here when he talks about, or excuse me, what James is trying to say to us here when he talks about counting? Well, to count means to evaluate. You need to evaluate your situation. And really, that's what you do when you count your money, isn't it? When you pull your billfold out and you go into some place to buy gas or to buy food or to buy whatever you're buying, before you get up to the cash register, you better do some evaluating. You better look in that billfold and count out what you've got so you'll know what you can buy. And so really what 
uh, James is saying is, as we look at our trials, we must, as the people of God, evaluate our situation. Now listen, if you are in Christ, let me encourage you and let you know that your situation has changed. Brother Roy did a great job this morning talking about this. How do you know, because we are in Christ as opposed to being out of Christ, we went from spiritual deadness to spiritual life. Can you say amen? We went from the darkness to the light. Can you say amen? We went from a place of having no peace to knowing the peace that passes all understanding. We went from a place of not having Jesus and listen, being able to claim the promises of God to becoming a child of God, born again into the family of God. And now the Bible says all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Because you are in Christ Jesus, you can and should, you must claim the promises. What is the promises? Jesus has promised He'll never leave nor forsake you. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus has promised that He which hath begun the good work in you will perform it under the day of redemption. Philippians 1.6, if you believe it, say amen. amen. Jesus has promised through His Word by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me now. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. That He is the author, but He's also the finisher of our faith. And we need to fix our eyes on Him. Can I evaluate your situation? Your situation has changed. You are now in Christ. And you need to count some things up. If Jesus is this big, then what problem, what, what problem, what trouble, what trial would ever be too big for him? You ever thought about it? You ought to as a child of God. You can overcome. You gotta, first of all, have a joyful attitude. You gotta do some counting. But then he says in verse number three of James number one, James chapter one, you know, you've also gotta have an understanding mind. In the third verse, he tells us not to count, but to know, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. An understanding mind. What are we to understand as the people of God? Trials come our way, and God allow, allows trials into our path. Listen to me now. Not to harm us, but to help us. Trials our faith food. It helps us to grow and trust in the Lord. Ronnie Coleman is known as the king of bodybuilding. At one time, Ronnie Coleman weighed 333 pounds. Now listen. He had less than 3% body fat at 330 pounds. Think about that just a minute. You don't believe me. Look at some of the old pictures of Ronnie Cole. Amazing what this dude could accomplish. Immensely strong. I don't know that I've ever witnessed a human being as massive and strong as him at one time. It was amazing what he could do. He is quoted as saying this. Everybody wants to be a bodybuilder. But don't nobody want to lift any weight. 
Let me tell you what has to happen if you're going to grow physically and build muscle like Ronnie Coleman did. Well, the first thing you've got to have is stress against that muscle. Matter of fact, what you do when you're trying to build muscle is tear the muscle down so that then you can eat right and build it up. And that's what Ronnie Coleman, listen, got down to a science if anyone ever had. But he had to put himself under stress to get there. Now, what weights do to Ronnie Coleman physically, trials do to the child of God or spiritually. It helps us to grow. It puts stress on us. Guess what we do then? Then we take hold of truth, that spiritual food from the Word of God that gives us clear direction and, 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 a, and a right thinking. Amen? We get a hold of that truth. Listen to me now. And by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, who is our helper and our comforter, and that good food of the Word of God, as we face the trials that we face, we grow stronger because of the trial, not weaker. But you've got to have your mind right. You've got to get your attitude right, but you've got to get your mind right. And realize these trials that God allows into your life, He does so for the purpose of having you grow to be what He truly wants you to be. You grow to fulfill the purpose He has for you. Our faith is always tested. Testing works for us, not against us. Listen, trials used in a right way for the right purpose help us to grow and be what God wants us to be. What does God want in our lives? He wants patience and endurance. Isn't that what it says right here? Let's go on. Watch what else he says. Verse number three. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. <clears throat> patience. Learning to wait on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And learning to endure what we face. That makes us better soldiers of the cross. Can you say amen? That makes us better members of the body. That causes us to grow strong and know that we can trust God no matter what. Because the same God who brought me through the last trial will bring me through the next trial. This trial. Whatever the case may be. We've got to have a good attitude, the right attitude. We've got to have an understanding mind. Listen, we've also got to have a surrendered will. Verse number 4 says, let, let, everybody look at it. But let patience have our perfect worth that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We've got to allow God to do what He wants to do in us and through us and say, Lord, not my will but thine. You know what Job said? Even though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. Lord, I ain't giving up. I ain't quitting. I ain't stopping. I'm fixing my eyes on you because you're enough. And I'm trusting you're going to bring me through better than I was before. The Apostle Paul says something in the book of Romans. Chapter number 5. Verse number 3. And verse number 4. I love this. He says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, verse 4 then, and patience, experience, and experience, hope. Now, what he's saying is, there's a process of growth that happens through trial and tribulation. We've got to let God continue and finish that work and keep on trusting Him. In Micah, Malachi, excuse me, chapter 3, the Bible teaches 
about God being a refiner's fire and a fuller soap. Now what does that mean? That means that sometimes, just like a refiner of gold or silver, God puts the heat under us. And when I read that verse many years ago, that sparked my curiosity. And I had to know really what was being talked about there. So I've done a lot of reading on how a refiner of gold and silver operates. They put the gold that they mine or the silver that they mine into what's called a crucible. And then that crucible is then placed on a fire. And they heat that fire and stoke that fire till it gets to a certain temperature. The temperature in which gold or silver would melt into a liquid. And then what that refiner would do would sit above that crucible with what's called a dross. And a dross really looks like a flour sifter is what it kind of reminds me of. It's like a mesh screen that the refiner would then, as that starts to bubble, take and sweep over the top. Now, why does he sweep it over the top? Well, as that gold or silver melts, as that happens, all of the impurities that's in that metal will bubble up to the top. As it's boiling, more impurities will come to the top, and as they come to the top, he'll reach in with that dross and scoop it off, and scoop it off, and scoop it off, and scoop it off. And I am told that a refiner knows that a a, 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 the gold he's working with is ready to be made into something that he wants it made into and it's purified when he can look over into that crucible and see his reflection. Then he knows. Alright, now we're ready to work with it. Now we've got it where we want it. So what's it saying in the book of Malachi when the Bible says that God is like a refiner's fire for his people? He's saying that sometimes he puts a fire under us and he puts the fire under us and allows these trials and troubles into our life to get all the impurities out. And when he gets all the impurities out, then he begins to see his face in us so that we might be used by him. And we become more and more and more like Jesus. Can you say it again? Having patience, endurance, experience, and hope. What the scripture says, isn't it? But you gotta have that joyful attitude. You gotta have that understanding mind. You gotta have that surrendered will. And then you guess what else you gotta have? You gotta have a believing heart. He says in verse 5, we need to ask the Lord for what we need. Ask the Lord for what we need. And when we ask, ask believing by Amen? Now, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I have no idea. But I can tell you this. God knows what you're going through. He does. He knows exactly. He knows me better than I know me, and He knows you better than you know you. He knows what I need. He knows what you need. Listen, He is able, if you will surrender all to Him, to do what's necessary in your life. Now, it's up to you to put into practice these four things we've talked about this morning. It's up to you to do your part, and I can promise you, God's always going to do His part. If you're going to turn your trial into triumph, you've got to get the right attitude, a joyful attitude. You've got to get the right mind, a believing, 
mind, a trusting mind. Listen, you've got to have a faithful heart and be willing to ask. You've got to have a surrendered will and say, Lord, thy will be done, not mine. That's what James says. Count it all joy when you fall into trials. God's doing his work. Everybody stand together. Listen, this morning, if I can pray with you, I would love to. I know that look, we're doing our best to get the sanctuary done, and man, that's going great, and I'm ready to get over there. I know this is a little bit of a challenge sometimes, but um, you can make an altar anywhere that you choose to humble yourself before the Lord. And so if you don't feel comfortable coming up here, that may be true. That's all right. God hears you right where you are. But I do want to encourage you this. If you need to be saved today, I can't save you. Walking an aisle don't save you. Being in a church service don't save you. Trusting in Jesus saves you. But what I do want to do is share with you Scripture and let you know what it truly means to be born again. What saved really means because there's a whole lot of ideas about what saved is. So if that's you today, won't you come? And I'd, I'd love to speak with you. We can speak after service. Take care of that. The Lord, like He does from time to time, burned this into my spirit early this morning. So I believe with everything in me. Somebody needs it. I need it. I'm dealing with some stuff. That's where it goes. But I'm going to trust him, amen? I want you to do the same. If you need the Lord in any way, love to have you come. Whatever God puts on you.